This is... Wow! What a week. What a week. Politics. He was detained by illness last week, but like a politician rising from scandal, casting off allegations and criminal charges, he has cast off the blankets to grace us with his presence and knowledge again. Please welcome our Minister of Interpretation, Botsang Mutimuame Muirwa. Uh, good morning, good morning, fresh, and good morning to the followers and viewers. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I missed you guys. Welcome back. We missed you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go straight into Parliament, the hearing into the public protector's fitness to hold office, despite the fact that her term is ending very, very soon. October to be exact. They found money for her legal representation. Is that money even enough? Well, look, there's money in this country. They will always find money yeah. to, to, to can do their job or to, to be seen to be working. Uh, 30 million already exhausted in less than a year. Mm. And now they found plus minus 4 million. They sure. should drop in an ocean. When you look at legal fees, mm. the dragging of this case by both parties, as well as the matters that keeps on popping up, I think that four million it was it was it was used up before it was even transferred to its coffers and mm. with the public protector's office. But again, this is one situation where it demonstrates how our administrative processes actually mm. are money wasting processes. You know, mm. you spent almost forty million in less than one year to can uh, make a determination whether a person is fit to hold office or not. And you still haven't arrived at that point. And it's not only 40 million. She continues to get her salary with all the perks and benefits. And we are losing on time. And her term, you know, as you correctly said, mm. in it's coming to an end in October. Is it worth it for us to can be running this process? I don't think so. It has not even given us fruits because mm -hmm. it has become clear to me and to many people that this is actually even more personal. You know, people are failing in performing their duties in government, in various you know, spheres of government, and, and do they, are they taken through that process of government? And we spend millions in order to determine whether a person is fit or not, as if we didn't have, you know, processes to interview and appoint people. And what do we base on failure to perform duties on? Are we basing it on the public protector's case being thrown out by controversial courts? Mm. And is that the only reason we are seeing a person is failing to perform their duties? Or are there other, we haven't heard anything else that makes the nation to say she's not performing her just except her losing cases in court isn't that grounds enough though to well i personally don't think that's so least grounds enough we know that actually our judiciary has been questioned we know the type of cases that she has been handling as mm. well are we looking at the percentages are we saying she had for an example a hundred cases and she lost 20 of them and she was successful in 80 of them or she lost 80 of them and successful in 20 are we using those kind of statistics mm. are we using that uh, based on the wrong decisions or erroneous decisions she has made in the past but why spend so many millions on legal fees now they mm. came and they are pretending as if she's not entitled you must remember the person who is facing the portfolio committee at the moment it is not Busuem Kobane the person it is Busuem Kobane the advocate and the public protector mm. and we can't separate you know uh, her official duties from her title and responsibilities unfortunately fresh the constitution of this country 
makes provision for such. Mm. It makes provision for you know people squandering monies, and we shouldn't complain. The problem lies with us and the constitution we are sitting with. The same can be said with all other you know public offices mm. uh, uh, that are spending money. Escom is spending billions every day while you are still sitting in darkness. In fact, uh, the UDM um, have also been in the news regarding um, Shamila Batoy. Uh, what's that been all about? Well, uh, it's the same. It's the same for me. I, I want to observe the Shamila Batoy process that uh, General Bantolomis and the UDM and other groupings have teamed up to say she's actually not fit to 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 get rid of. She's not successful in her work. For me, it has the and, same and, merits. But, but how do we measure that success? Merits and principles. Mm -hmm. The same way as the public protector's office. When Shamila Badoy took up office, there were almost over 600 pending uh, cases that were sitting with the NPA. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we know with the crime in the country, whether it's civil offenses or criminal offenses, obviously those numbers increased. You can go back and look three years back until today. How many successful prosecutions, especially those in in the limelight, mm. in politics as well as in corruption, has the NPA become successful in prosecuting the offenders or the perpetrators or the alleged offenders? Mm. How many of them? And, and that we should use the same stick to gauge if Shamila Badoi is performing her duties. She did at some stage lament lack of resources in terms mm. of financial resources as well as personnel and the government made those resources available but they are losing cases left right and center i mean one of the biggest two of the biggest uh, cases this contest faced with is the extradition of the gupta brothers into south africa the second one it's a case that will lead or link to the estina dairy farm case mm -hmm. and they've completely messed it up and lost i mean they were even told by a judge in court how the npa came to court ill prepared and, and things that for me that is underperformance mm -hmm. and i think uh, the country needs watchdogs likely but whether it's bandolomisa is the udm or a group of people who are actually watching on how one hand of government is disciplining non-performers while on the other ones are getting away with it. But the NPA has very serious problems in the Republic of South Africa and we thought that was resolved three years back when Shamila Batoy was appointed. It looks like we're still on the same position. At some stage, she blames the police, the police blames NPA, mm. and you find the judges in court blames the police and the NPA. So it's a blaming game where everybody's blaming another one, but monies are coming out. And not only monies that, that we are using in inquiries, mm. these people are paid. Mm. These public office bearers are paid. They're getting salaries to perform duties where they are failing to perform basic roles and what they're supposed to do. But I, I think we should watch very closely how is the president going to handle the Shamila Badoi case and if she is indeed going to stand up and defend herself to say, no, no, she's been successful and performing her duties as, as required. Mm. And, and I think it's something that we should look at very closely. Uh, accountability is something that, that, that lacks in the country. Mm. We are having a problem with, with accountability and people go to sit in front of parliamentary committees and talk about how they failed yeah. and talk about how they done wrong. And we sit there and we watch on television. You know, these days, what is our soapy? is to sit and watch court proceedings in South Africa these days. You sit and watch, you know, proceedings in Parliament the whole day. If it's not there, we get bored. People say, no, I failed in doing this. I squandered money. I misused the money. I overspent. I still got my salary. Life goes on. Ends there. Life, Life goes on. on. Mm -hmm. Let's stay in Parliament. Um, Eskom chair was uh, in Parliament um, talking about the Andre de Reiter dossier. 
and the fact that I think alluded to the fact that Minister Gordon had also said we need to find a way of investigating what's going on here. Look, uh, but before the current chairperson, Mr. Isid Makanya, the current chairperson of, of ESCOM, mm. coincidentally, after or during the buzz of being in parliament, the former chairperson or his predecessor, mm. uh, Professor Malakabu Mwakoba, also went public and went to parliament as well to go and explain what is actually or what transpired when, when he was the chairperson of ESCOM. Yeah. And, and it's a sad state of affairs, uh, Fresh. And uh, let me tell you, and, and we should call it what it is. Either politicians are lying to the nation or are misleading the nation. And, and, and it's very sad that the elected people who are sitting in parliament who are supposed to be lawmakers mm. as well as accounting officers who are holding public servants like DGs, COs and ministers accountable. They sit there and they let ESCOM management to play Mickey Mouse games with them. Mm. You know, I, I follow that whole process of ESCOM. The one former chairperson of ESCOM comes and says, no, 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 director is correct, he's telling the truth. This process was sanctioned. He reported to me as Professor Malakapuru Mukhoba mm. that uh, there's an investigation taking place and this investigation is funded by the private sector. I'll come back to that. It's mm. funded by the private sector. Mm. He didn't only tell me as the chairperson of the board. He informed the political principal who is Minister Pravin Kotan mm. as the Minister of Public Enterprises. He also informed Mr. Sidney Mufumadi who was as, uh, uh, appointed as the special you know, uh, uh, envoy of the president regarding the ESCOM affairs. He didn't stop there. He informed the president President of the Republic in front of Minister Pravin, in front of me as Professor Malakapurumkop. So the President, the Minister, and the Special Envoy, the Chairperson of the Board were aware mm. of this clandestine investigation carried by the private sector on a state entity. Now the current Chairperson comes and says, I don't know anything about it. The radar must come out clear. We didn't know who sanctioned that. We did not. He wouldn't know because he was not there. But it is worrying mm. that. There was no proper handing over from the one chairperson to another. That's why the current chairperson is not aware of what was happening in ESCOM. Isn't there also a claim that the reason we decided to do this because we felt like um, the cops were dragging their feet? Well, that's, that's what Professor Mokhoba uh, said, but it, it's also very worrisome that a person of Professor Mokhoba's caliber, first of all, you know, you know the history of this country mm. and, 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 and being an academic and a chairperson of a, one of the biggest state-owned entities in the world, not only in South Africa, does not have confidence in the law enforcement entity mm. of the state and he accepts that a former apartheid era policemen and spies are being used not by escom only mm. but are funded and paid by the private sector to can conduct you know an intelligence investigation into a state-owned entity mm. and and this brings me back to what i said i'll hold on to it is that not state capture? Mm. When we speak of state capture, yeah. is to allow a business, uh, a, you know, unity or business leadership, South Africa, whatever it's called, to can spend millions mm. of rents for a, a bunch of people who are former apartheid era spies and policemen to can investigate a state-owned entity and the spies of the country that are mm. sitting at SSA or even in the presidency are sitting there and are not aware that somebody is doing what they are supposed to do. Mm. For me, that is absolute state capture.
capture. If we talk of state being captured, the, and, and by the way, the, the, what makes it state capture? It's because the head of state, senior officials of the ruling party, as well as the government, the minister of state owner, are aware of this process mm -hmm. that the private sector is actually investigating what the police are supposed to be. Now, what should the normal citizens, me and you, do when political office bearers and principals do not have confidence in the uh, police system of the country, how should the nation trust the hawks, the police, the NPA, and so forth when mm. they don't trust them? But there's something also very interesting and, and as controversial like this. Two things, and we should connect the dots. The same people mm -hmm. that were appointed by business to investigate ESCOM. If you look at those people, it's the same people that at some stage in this country mm. were used by SARS mm. to investigate the so-called rogue unit. There's a very same bunch of people. Mm. And guess who was at the helm of SARS when that happened? It was Pravin Godan. Mm. So for me, it looks like Minister Pravin Godan is actually running a parallel state. He uses private people, private investigators, private spies to investigate and spy on people wherever he is. And, and is that not running a parallel state? Who is he reporting to? But one could argue that because I believe in the entire value chain, people are captured, I need to run a parallel look into things. Surely it makes sense to do that. How, 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 how do you believe that people are captured when you may actually be captured yourself? The fact that you are looking for an alternative to report and believe in somebody else mm. and not the prescribed system, then you are actually captured by those you believe in. Mm. We have parliament. And, and again, this is where I have a problem that ESCOM and intelligence and, and, and other you know, non-classified ministries are sitting at the presidency. We have government departments that are accounting to parliament. We've got various parliamentary portfolio committees. We've got SCOPA. When you are a minister or a cabinet member and you've got doubt in the processes of the department you are leading, you have a responsibility to go to the National Assembly, to go to Parliament and report of the challenges that you are being faced with. Now you don't do that. You bypass the prescribed rules and regulations and you go and you report to the business sector. It's a problem. Mm. And that's why I'm one of the people who are actually you know, advocating for the presidency to start being accountable. Mm. You see, when President Ramaphosa came into power, what he did is something very smart, and we spoke about it earlier. And a lot of leaders in the world, Donald Trump did it in the U.S., you take the strategic ministries or department, you bring them closer to you into your office. You consolidate. You consolidate them around you, okay? Sure. You, you, they brought in intelligence into the office. And when this first investigation happened, the state security agency was sitting in the presidency. Yes. Okay, then you've got all Alamis and the director general. But mm. guess what? And nobody has ever talked about it. The presidency in South Africa is not accounting to any portfolio committee. Mm. We've got various portfolio committees where various government departments, they get called, ministers get called, they go to account who questions President Ramaphosa and his four or five ministers and the director general. There's a DG there, there's a budget, there's a deputy president. It's the same as a government department where you have a minister and a deputy mm -hmm. minister. You have a president and a deputy president. You have a director general, you've got a budget, and now there's four ministers sitting in the presidency. Who do they account for? Where do they go to report? Which portfolio committee mm -hmm. ever calls the presidency and say, we gave you the money, you had project, you were supposed to deliver on this, can you come and brief this committee on what have you done 
where they spend their money, what are the successes, challenges, and failures. Mm. We don't have that overseeing structure that is overseeing the presidency to be found accountable. That's why you find people sitting in there doing as they wish, mm. you know, and nobody's holding them accountable. We are sitting 100 days close to with uh, Mr. Sputler, mm. uh, the Minister of, of, of Electricity, and nobody's going to stand up and say, and I've said it, it cost this country an average of 44 million rents to have one minister. Mm. Not the, the minister of the department. One minister, minister. costs the country mm. 44 million rents on average per annum. And we are spending 44 million rents on, on a caretaker minister who stands up and says, yeah, I don't have powers at the moment. I don't have executive powers. So why do we call him a minister when he doesn't have executive powers? Although the benefits that goes with the title are those of a minister. In, in fact, like uh, is it Sakina was saying, then surely you're a project manager, you're not a minister, if you don't have powers. Well, I, I, I think uh, Sakina actually exposed, you know, the, uh, not uh, 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 in that mm. instance, yeah. mm. but the whole process, how fast this whole process is. Mm. And he ended up actually disclosing that he's more like a project manager. And that's mm. why people were saying at the beginning, if Sputla is going to sit, or Mr. Amokropa is going to sit and look at fixing problems in ESCOM, it looks like they're getting worse. Uh, why don't he become a special project? Not a whole minister, mm. a special project. Mm. And, and it, we could have been spending more or uh, less money, more time on what he's doing, which I think he's doing very well, despite you know the fact that you are sitting on stage six and stage Eight at the moment, I've listened to a lot of energy experts, you know, talking about how Praveen is not supposed to be challenging this in court. But you know what? That that's that's another story we should be looking at. You mm -hmm. know, to say is the presence of Mr. Ramokopa making a difference uh, in the electricity sector. Yeah. Now you're asking the question: Who watches the watcher in terms of you know who does the presidency report to? Surely if Scopa is the watcher of everyone else, then they should be reporting to Scopa too, no? no or accounting to Scopa? They, they, they can account to Scopa, but Scopa comes in when? When there's reports of mm. problems, mm. corruption, fraud, mm. and maladministration. That's when they come in. Mm. With, I'm talking about unregular public administration processes, ah, and, where and, departments and delivery, report and yeah. delivery. Okay. The president signs performance agreements, for example, mm. with all other ministers. And, and, and in them doing that, mm. they will have to come on midterm reviews to check if they are delivering on what they had promised to deliver on. Mm. Is the presidency being subjected to that process as well? Is President Ramaphosa, as the head of that department, the mm. presidency, mm. go to some parliamentary committee to say, I promise that I will eradicate, you know, youth unemployment in the next one year. Mm. I promise that I will fight uh, corruption inside government, inside my cabinet. Has he come back to report to somebody to mm. say, there's been allegations about ministers or cabinet members corrupt, uh, youth unemployment, spending patterns no 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 and, and we will make sure that by the end of december 2022 mm. there, there there will be no load shedding in south africa we are going to december 2023 the stages of load shedding are getting worse mm. and and now courts had to come in or to step in to aid the government to do what they are supposed to be doing speaking of the courts i mean the courts are saying that um hospitals schools police stations must be exempt from load shedding and that ESCOM or the ministry have a responsibility to ensure that. But Minister Gordon is appealing that, that ruling. Uh, another money-wasting 
uh, uh, process on legal fees. Mm. You know, the, the, the courts, what I like but about is it, people... But is it practical, though? It, 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 it is doable. Okay. And, and, I, and I've, still, I've listened to energy experts. Yeah. I've, I've, and only one person out of all of them, a gentleman by the name of Adilin Chabiling, explained how we are getting into a worse situation. These are experts talking. I do not understand why do people think the court, and I read the, mm. the, the judgment, mm. uh, uh, the court said they must, you know, go to the meter box or the electricity box on the street and, and separate. That's not what the court said. The court is saying to the government, you have a constitutional obligation M make to a provide, plan. make a plan. Yeah. Whatever you do, we don't care. Make mm. sure that what we term in the public service as essential services, yeah. police for security, mm. basic education, which is a right, you know, sure. it's in the constitution, mm. basic education and health. Make sure that they've got energy. They can't That's be disrupted. I, I, they can't be disrupted. Mm. Whatever you do, by all means necessary. And I'm saying it's possible. Let me tell you what it will take. Mm. It will take money. Sure. That's all you need. If ESCOM bends 34 billion, guys, do we know what is 34 billion rents? That's what ESCOM is spending on diesel only. Mm. Only on diesel. We haven't talked about other things. Yeah. And this is the emergency diesel to keep the lights temporarily on during you know, 34 billion. First, let me tell you something. I may not be an accountant, mm -hmm. but 1 billion, 1 billion can keep the lights of all primary schools on in Gauteng only. Sure. 1 billion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the court is simply saying to us, you can't provide electricity, you can't separate the grid. Mm -hmm. We are not technicians. We are not electricians. Go and buy generators for those schools. Go as much as you buy diesel for the country, buy diesel for those schools. And they should not come with the excuse of strange resources that yeah. you don't have money. Mm. When you have money to spend on other things. Sure. The money that uh, Mr. Praveen Godal is going to use to appeal this case, mm. which will end up in the constitutional court because these are constitutional rights, that will go to the law. It's going to amount to millions already. Instead of us starting somewhere, let sure. us start somewhere. Mm. Let the, the court said you have two months to do it, not to keep the lights on. It doesn't, I don't intend to come up with a plan. To come up with a plan and yeah. you start implementing mm. it somewhere where they, it, it, there's a need, especially like hospitals. Mm. You know, imagine going to a police station in the middle of the night when you are robbed mm. and you find the policeman sitting in darkness. It's already a security risk. Mm. And, and, and provide them with a generator. Start putting solar panels. Start doing something to aid the nation. Mm. And that's what the, that's how I interpreted the, the court decision. And, and, you know, instead of throwing energy into we're going to fight this in the courts, uh, personally for me, I mean, with the schools, schools alone, you know, what stops us from saying to big business in the different areas, adopt exactly. a school, adopt exactly. a school. Exactly. Um, coming up with a solar plan for a school will cost you between 100 and 300,000. Uh, absolutely. We've got rooftops. That's where the panels are. Exactly. Schools operate during the day, so you don't need batteries. There's less. You yeah. don't need batteries to store the power. All you need is the sun to make sure that we are running electricity during the day. And, and if there's batteries, maybe it's for on, there's a rainy day. Exactly. But you don't need batteries to power the whole school. The kids are gone before the sun sets. Absolutely. And, and fresh, maybe you should you know, start talking to Ramoko by advising them. You say, say to Busan, yeah, say to Busan Incorporated, if you spend 300,000 rand adopting a school in your neighborhood, we will exempt you of 300,000 rand worth of tax. Of tax. Incentivize business to get involved. Those are some of the thinking that we are supp is supposed to be happening in government, but yeah. certainly it's not happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we always have meetings and seminars and conferences mm -hmm. with investors and businesses. 
This is time now to call those businesses to say, business, you are the largest consumer of electricity yes. in the country. The mining sector, you go to the mine and say, that village around you, adopt the hospital in there, the school in there, and the police station there. One, you will benefit because the mine workers will be in a stable and safe yes. environment. Yes. And invest in that. You have come with an example of tax exemption. And those are some of the benefits the government is supposed to be sitting and communicating mm -hmm. about instead of rushing to the court. And when you are saying fresh uh, instead of defending and fighting this fighting who mm. who is minister Pravin fighting in court is he fighting the south african citizens who have voted them into power mm. who are sitting there and say we are basically you know uh, 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 want electricity you know i i, I listened to the radio this morning a gentleman phoned in in one of the radio stations saying uh, for the last six days he has been bathing with cold water in this cold weather mm. imagine school going children mm. you know having to take a cold bath my daughter actually told the mother that i need to go and stay with dad this week because i don't get load shedding where i stay mm. and there's, there's you know there's hot water and all that i'm like bring the child home we can't be coping up like this but i'm one of the few privileged who are in that situation mm. but we need to come with solutions sure. not stop fighting mm. if, if the government goes to court and defend this court decision or fight back this court decision they're actually fighting the nation and we are not talking everybody we are talking essential services mm. what will be wrong if the government goes and spend you have estimated between 100 and 300 k you know on a generator or a solar panel that will you know, put the lights on in one small hospital or clinic in a township. Mm. What harm will they, those are the basic services that a government, a caring government is supposed to be focusing on. Not us blaming and pointing fingers and appointing extra ministers and hearing all the stories of why this thing is not going to work. We may end up in stage 10 load shedding. And, and in the middle of all that ESCOM in parliament, ESCOM going to court, the minister being on television, boom, Botswana goes dark mm. three days ago. Yes. Botswana goes dark that, yeah. and they run out of electricity. Guess what? Mm. The beloved Republic of South Africa mm. sends worth of 12,000 kilowatts of electricity to the Republic of Botswana. Mm. We can do this thing. Yes, we've got commitments to our neighbors mm. uh, uh, that we have agreements with them and payments that they have effected. We have those agreements that we must honor, but charity begins at home. If I cannot feed my kids in the house and my neighbor's kids are hungry, mm. I will take the food of my children and share with the hungry neighbor's kids, not take the food of my kids and give mm. to my neighbors. And that's what our government is doing. We are not supposed to be going through what we are going through, but we need a, co a consolidated, concerted effort of all role players, you know, to, to can come and hate with this energy sure. crisis. This was created by politicians. This is a part. We are in crisis. We can't be pointing fingers now. We are supposed to be sitting down and say, what can everybody do on their part to can aid the situation? Uh, in fact, I was reading the other day about how Salga in uh, KZN are talking about how you know political appointments are one of the reasons municipalities can't deliver and that they need to start running municipalities like businesses who's the best person for the job give that person the job so they can deliver services well, absolutely and the other thing also is deploying not only qualified people mm. but 
people who come from those communities yes. and that region, they know, you know, the they, know they know the challenges. Mm -hmm. They will work harder because they live amongst that community. Imagine me living in Gauteng, the next thing I become a municipal manager somewhere in Kuruman. I don't say uh, we should focus on being a regional state, but the reality mm -hmm. is that somebody who's a manager who have qualifications sitting in Kuruman will be a better municipal manager in Kuruman than me. But they must be qualified. They must be qualified. Mm -hmm. But again, I think it is gradually changing whereby political parties are realizing that cadre deployment is not working mm -hmm. for them. It has actually created problems mm -hmm. where incompetent people greedy and selfish corrupt people are being deployed into very key strategic positions of government. Mm. One, they are failing to deliver because they are not qualified for those positions. But two, they do not care. There's an element of political office bearers in South Africa not caring mm. about what happens within their communities. Sure. And that's one of the biggest challenges we are faced with. Could we wrap it up by going across the border? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so um, civil rights activists in the kingdom of Eswatini taking a stand. It's been big news this week. Well, uh, long overdue. Look, the, the, the challenges at the kingdom of Eswatini have been happening uh, uh, for many years. You know, when I was a very junior diplomat in the mid-90s, one of the issues that the, 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 the SACU desk at that time had to deal with was the, the you know, the trampling on human rights in, in the kingdom of Eswatini. Mm. Eswatini is, is a very tiny kingdom that is sitting in, in the middle or you know of, of, of surrounded by South Africa almost wholly and, and Mozambique to a lesser extent. And and there's been a cry and a lament. People have been killed for many years, journalists, lawyers, uh, professors have been killed in Eswatini. For many years this has been happening. Saku, Sadak and the African Union have put a blind eye on that thing. Uh, no, it's not a blind eye. It's called quite diplomacy. Well, it, it, then that quite diplomacy, again, is not working for us. For a small kingdom like Eswatini, and, and by the way, I have to be very clear, I am not against kingdoms. Mm. We, we have kingdoms in Africa. Mm. We can mention Ghana. We can mention the Republic of South Africa with the Zulu Nation. We can mention the mountain kingdom of Lesotho, whereby they've got the monarchy. Mm. And it's working because they've got the government. You understand? And, and why is that not happening in, in Eswatini? That is wholly dependent on one SADC member state, particularly South Africa, for funding the US and the UK. They are funding the lifestyle and the existence of Kim Moswati in Eswatini. And, and now you ask yourself, being pro-democracy, South Africa, the UK, and the US, being pro-democracy state, why are they silent in telling the person that they're feeding Kim Moswati to say, you can remain the king. It's happening with King Litsie mm. in, in Lesotho. But let democracy prevail. Let the people have rights. And we're talking about basic human rights. Mm. People are not allowed to protest. Journalists are not allowed to, to write stories against the king. And this has been tabled at SADAC for as many years as you can imagine, and we are not moving forward. But I am happy with... So, so what would you like to see happen? Look, SADAC must take a position. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, uh, let me let me off ramp a little bit. We had the SADAC Troika Summit yes. uh, last week. <laughs> you know, the leaders we elect in Africa. You've got the most important arm of SADAC meeting. SADAC consists of 15 member states, mm. of which uh, two are in the sea and 13 are inland. 15 member states... They've got the most important meeting in the calendar of SADAC sitting in Namibia, chaired by the outgoing chairperson, uh, uh, president of Namibia, Gangbo. Guess what? Mm. Nine of the 15 member states, they don't show up. They instead leave their responsibility mm. and duty 
of the Sadak Troika and go and celebrate the coronation of the British former imagine? colonial uh, 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 king in England. I, I mean, uh, how, how, how upset. I, I still have to congratulate uh, President Ramaphosa. President Gengbok didn't have a choice because he was the out. He was the host, host. yes. And, and the president of Tanzania and the president of the DRC, mm -hmm. they didn't go. Uh, you know, for a change, President Ramaphosa stood home and focused on domestic or regional uh, challenges. Eswatini is sitting as a time bomb. Mm -hmm. And these leaders of Sadak leave their responsibility. They go and they party with King Prince Charles in King England. George the Third. And and yeah, King George the whatever he is. This yeah. is a colonizer. Mm -hmm. These are the people who who, who enslaved Africans, mm. who raped Africans, who murdered Africans, who colonized, who are racist towards this African who state. Who still have our diamonds. Who still have our diamonds and gold stored in reserves mm. in England, and they declared their duties. These are the kind of leaders we elect. Mm. But then the, the, the human rights you know, organizations and groups in the kingdom of Eswatini have consolidated themselves, and the wife of one of the slain leaders who was murdered in, in early January, mid-January this year, mm. is in the forefront of the day. He took this matter mm. to a Sadak platform and an AU platform in Bangui uh, 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 this past week. And I think they should be, you know, commended for that stand. I think it's about time that Sadak must take a resolution mm. to instruct Kim Muswati to allow democracy to prevail in the kingdom of Eswatini. Or else we look like a Mickey Mouse game. The other challenge we are sitting with Sadak, unlike the EAC, mm. the East African Community, is that Sadak works on protocols. We don't have a parliament. Like the EAC has a, you know, written regulations on how member states will conduct mm. themselves. And that and works for them. It, it works. works for them. Yeah. You, you are held accountable. Uh, but in Sadak, it's a gentleman's agreement and they go party. Um, um, not uh, and you know, living, party. Living, yeah. living their own countries. And, and I think somebody somewhere should start talking to, to Kim Muswati with due respect mm. that you can't be a king in Africa and you treat your people, the way he's treating the people of Eswatini. One day Eswatini will explode. And the danger with Eswatini exploding is that it is bothering Mozambique. Mm -hmm. That is facing now challenges. Already there's you know, instability. There's in instability areas, in, in, in the, in the, in the sub-region of the continent. Mm -hmm. And we, we, these are things we must manage mm -hmm. at the moment, you know, diplomatically to say, what is it that Kim Oswati will lose yes. if he allows democracy to prevail in the kingdom of Eswatini? And people should have human rights. The African Union is very quiet and silent about human rights being trampled on by a whole king, mm. you know, in a small kingdom and a nation like, uh, like Eswatini. I, I think it's totally unacceptable. They should actually start closing the taps of funding Kim Oswati's lifestyle so that the people of Eswatini can start raising their voices and go and elect a democratically elected government. He will remain the king, it's mm. fine. You know, that's King Henry Soto. He's enjoying the benefits of being the king, but he's not interfering mm. with the prime minister of the kingdom in running their face of the country. You understand? So those are some of the things that the Sadak member states are supposed to be focusing on. We shouldn't wait for a war to erupt or violence mm. to erupt. Then we start sending soldiers out and start talking. We must actually keep a problem uh, before it happens. But it is long overdue. So we close the taps, uh, but then it's the people on the ground who suffer. And then, and then eventually are forced to flee across the border, and then they become your problem anyway. The, the people 
of Eswatini are already living in South Africa, mm. in, uh, especially in the KZN in Kumalanga and in Mozambique. They are already not benefiting mm. from the resources that are actually being squandered mm. by, the, by, the, by, the, by, the, by the monarchy. They are already not directly benefiting, but it is not only about money. You know, so it's not only about them, it is about them having a right, mm. having being able to sit in a platform like this and talk about their concerns as citizens of a country. Uh, being without free, fear, without, without fear, fear without mm. fear that you'll be shot, you'll be killed tomorrow. I mean, the gentleman who was killed, the former civil rights activist who was killed, in the, he was shot through a window sitting next to the children and the wife and mm. somebody stood outside through the window and shot and killed that person what kind of a nation is that mm. and and we don't want that kind of situation in this because it will obviously overflow to us mm. and we we'll have to deal with those problems we're already dealing with problems from zimbabwe and mozambique overflow into south africa that is coming to happen and and i think uh, president ramaphosa should actually uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know, muscle up a little bit in dealing with Kimosite. But again, I doubt if the president of Angola, who is now the current chairperson of Sarah, imagine the incoming chairperson was not there when he was elected. So was he, he also, was, he was, he was also in a party in England celebrating the coronation of King Charles. <laughs> and this guy, he, he is the next chairperson of, how do our African leaders think? You even go to an extent, I understand that Sadak leadership or chairmanship is rotational. That is understandable. How do you then go and elect and choose a person who does not even deem it necessary to, to, to attend this thing? So the, the, the chairperson of, of Sadak under normal circumstances mm. is supposed to call Moswati in mm. and the human rights arm of Sadak and say, can we sit down and talk about what is happening there? Devise a plan mm. and roll out this plan. There's a lot of NGOs that are actually mushrooming mm. and running in Eswatini. Mm. And, and maybe that's what they should start spending money on. Sure. On those NGOs, because what Kim Moswati will do, he will never attack the executive directors or the leaders of those NGOs, because most of them, they come from where? They come from the UK, they mm. come from Australia, they mm. come from, from the USA. He will never arrest them and jail them. You know, so the money must not go to him. The money must go to these NGOs to what? To render services like sure. protection, education, and health services. Instead of giving it to the king who's spending it on, on, on his many beloved wives and children, I, I think we must stop the rot in the continent regarding those processes. Stop giving people money that is intended for public use if they are not using it towards the interest of the public. That's what we should be doing. And on that note, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, 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 and again, it's good to see the team here and, and the viewers. Yes, sir. Uh, unfortunately, flu had me home. Mm. In the first time in 23 years, I had flu. Sure. And uh, I hope uh, it won't come back again. I've built an immune system now. But yeah, challenges in the country, the politics of South Africa is interesting as ever. But I think the nation should start standing up towards the elections next year mm. and hold the government accountable. Mm. On this day, not only by going to court, we must raise our voices and we must talk more about this stuff. We were not invited, but uh, God save the King Charles III. Uh, we'll see you again in a week. Thank you, my thank, brother. Thank you very much, brother man. We are done. Another show in the bag. It's Mother's Day and soon, in fact, and it will seem easy and simple enough to wish mothers out there well. But we'd also like to salute the other mothers, the adoptive and foster mothers, some who work in orphanages and hospitals, the aunties and grannies who had to step in. 
And, uh, and if you may have lost your mom, take comfort in the memories, celebrate the legacy, maybe give a younger person a shoulder to lean on. Hope you all enjoyed the spirit of Mother's Day and have a wow week. Thank you very much. We are done. Shout out to Amp Studios, Africa Podcast Network. Cinematography by Pezulu Works. Uh, we love your work, guys. Audio engineer, Otis the Flo Fraser. Our guest, Butsang Mudimuwaime, Minister of Information and Breaking Things Down, Mwilwa. Show producer, Keleso Mudisa King. And our creative director, Kuvesh Mohan. Mail us at waw at africapodcastnetwork.com. Have a great rest of the week. In spite of yourselves, we're out of here. This is... Wow! What a